Welcome to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle. I'm a naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist, and the owner of Seeds of Health. I created the Wellness Alchemy Podcast to bring together three of my favorite topics, health, truth, and adventure. I've currently got a three-month skin alchemy program running, which allows individuals with troubled skin, eczema, psoriasis, acne, to dive deep into healing long-term fixing skin issues for good but it takes commitment we dive into five key areas gut health fasting diet chemical free beauty and the metaphysics of wellness or our emotional wellness today on the podcast i interview shelly langford shelly is a gorgeous woman who's a doula I love this conversation because we discuss the wisdom of women's bodies and the innate knowing and innate knowledge that we have within during the birthing process. Shelley talks about her role as a doula, what a doula is, and how her services support women pre, during, and post-birth to allow a woman's innate wisdom to be drawn upon and to allow the best possible birth outcome for that unique individual. Let's get to know Shelley. Welcome to the podcast, Shelley. Thank you for having me, Janelle. So today we're going to be talking about what a doula does. So for those people who are listening, would you mind, first of all, kicking off with explaining what a doula does for women? Yes. It's a question I get asked all the time because not many people know what a doula is. Um, but definitely, we, as a doula, I support and empower and nurture women during their pregnancy, their birthing journey, and help them with the early days of um, having a newborn in their life for the first time sometimes. Or obviously, when there's a mum that has more than one children, she's also got to navigate how she's going to work that with having another one as well. Mm. Um I also support the partner as well, so it's not just for the mum. So I'm there for the partner, that that partner, birthing partner, could be her, her, the father of the child, could be mother, sister, auntie, or best friend. Um, So I'm there for them, and if there's any children involved in the family. Um, And I suppose the important key is that I'm hired by the the mother, and um, I'm not hired by hospital so I'm not um, bound by protocols and procedures Um, so working for myself I'm a hundred percent there for the mother and and whoever she chooses to have at her birth Um, so my goals are to listen to them Um, during that time I reassure them I provide support um, share practical comfort measures and give evidence-based research for them to build their confidence so they can feel relaxed and empowered during their life-changing journey. Um, so the lead-up to the time that we spend together is um, prenatal visits um, and also as a um, massage practitioner, I also spend a bit of time with my women nurturing them during this time. Um, but I suppose the important um, part is that we're building um, them to understand how their bodies work through the, the birth process. So they're starting to, un, um, and I'm providing evidence-based research so they can start making informed choices and decisions that often 
when they're visiting doctors or midwives and that they're not often given all the information that they need to make those choices. Um, and it's really important that we have informed consent for everything that happens to our bodies. Um, so I share that. I share their, their, the rights so they understand the rights that they have autonomy over their body and their baby at all times. Um, and obviously when the birth is coming up, I'm there from the moment that they want me by their side. I, I don't leave them. I'm with them the whole time, no matter how long birth takes until mum and bub are ready to be tucked up in bed for their first sleep afterwards. I then visit afterwards, help with breastfeeding um, and debriefing with the birth and anything practical around the house, the housework, um, cooking for them or um, just helping take bub and look after bub if mum needs to get a sleep afterwards. Wow. Um, you know, cause sometimes the dads are going back to work or they, they might be a single mum and not have somebody, so I'm there for that as well. Um, obviously for the partner they choose um, to have at their birth, um, that part of my prenatals are um, helping them to feel confident in how they can support the person that um, the mother, the birthing mother. Mm. So, so I kind of see it. Involved. Oh, there is. I kind of see it as an incredibly knowledgeable resource to draw on for physical, mental, emotional, spiritual Definitely. elements for this incredible journey of birthing a baby. Yes. And, mm. and it's, you're right, Janelle, in the way that um, so many people think that you just go to some hospital visits and you go in, you birth your baby. But um, if, you, if you start talking to mums, there is a huge journey that pregnancy goes Definitely. through. And, and I call it they need to shed the layers of shedding that they need to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, you know, a lot of people may have heard of, you know, you're moving from your maiden to your mother and... So you need to shed some of those things to welcome the mm. things you need to learn to be a mum. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. And it's very emotional. Mm. And a lot of people go, oh, she's hormonal. But it's not just about hormones. It's about this whole, you know, her body's changing, her life's changing. She's got to let go of who she was. She's about to become somebody new. Mm. So. so maybe just simply honouring this next phase as opposed to displacing it and saying, oh, it's hormones. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, we need to do that a lot more. Magic. And then to nurture them afterwards. Yeah. Know, they've just been through so much. Yeah. It's like this, like a newborn. So it's not just we get a, you know, the birth of um, a baby. It's also a birth of a mother and a birth mm. of a father. Mm. And, and even if the father's not in the picture and only part-time or, you know, he's still a father and he still needs to also go through his journey as well. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so you've told me trust and safety are the most important factors for women during the birthing process. How do you provide this with the women you work with? Um, I suppose um, for trust and safety in the way that um, a woman has to feel relaxed and she needs to be undisturbed for her body to follow its instincts and innate maternal knowledge for her to achieve that really truly physiological birth. Now, a physiological birth is with no intervention. So um, it's allowing from the, the moment that labor starts and, and her body does everything it needs to without people stepping in. And so like an honoring it. of the wisdom Definitely. of a woman's body. She's got it, yeah. Mm. So it's about us bringing that back. So our society has so much fear around that mm. and 
um, we've lost the knowledge. Mm, so one thing I getting noticed, goosebumps. <laughs> one thing I love and, and I really observe in the villages when I go to the villages in Papua New Guinea is um, there is no fear around birth. It's mm. it's just something that happens and there's excitement and joy around it and the women she chooses who she wants at her birth and they head off into the bush mm. um, and then she can't come back into the village until you know there's certain times and there's certain culture that they and things that they follow as well so and then the mother's nurtured for four or five days so it's it's, it's until the umbilical cord falls off is mm-hmm. the, the nurturing time for mm-hmm. that where she all the women supply her food and nurture her do everything that she needs to have done around her so mm. um, that's what I see that our society has we don't have with families living away from each other all the time and we don't have that support network that they do in a village so mm. the saying definitely it takes a village to raise a child I really see that when I go to the villages and mm. um, and it's beautiful when the mothers are you know they're, they're growing up a little bit the mother's um, you know, may need to go to the garden place or things like that. And you may have a grandmother. She's in her, you know, 60s, 70s, and you see her there with the baby at her breast. And, you know, mm. it's like, I don't know if there's any milk left, but it's definitely, she's comforting that baby and mm. nurturing that baby. So the baby um, has, um, you know, all of her, the family around her, mm. raising her mm-hmm. for him. Beautiful. So yeah. very special. So I love... You know that we we want we want to create our own village. So part of my um, work I do with the women in the one of the last prenatals before birth, and then we also support that afterwards is creating her village around her. So what mm. sort of supports will she be putting in place? Is there friends and family she can call on to help with food? And and then we can put you know like a roster in place if needed. And we also go through for the mum and the dad what 24 hours might look like. Um, while dad or whoever support she has around her is at home with her in the, in the first weeks, but also what that's going to look like in the, the coming weeks too. So that 24 hours will change as the baby changes as mm. well. So, mm. you know, we want to get in at least eight hours sleep. So we sort of mark that out. We need to eat. We need to have a shower, you know, some of the basic things so they can really see what it might be like afterwards. Mm. So, mm. And the key is, so being safe, um, um, and, and trust and the trust is is all the education that I do um, is trying to get the woman to understand um, how her body works and that she's designed to birth this baby mm. um, so and that's where I've, um, over the years being a doula I've noticed that when we get towards the end of a pregnancy and we do have complications and we do need medical assistance a lot of it can be related to nutrition or um, um, the positioning of the baby because of our lifestyle, our pelvises aren't... Um, so in the village and things like that, you see the women are walking all the time, but they also are sitting on the ground on their sitting bones where here we sit on chairs, so we're sitting on our sacrum, we're driving cars sitting on our sacrum, so our pelvises aren't... In the position that they usually would be for birth so a lot of the time um, with my massage and my body work that I've now done with optimal maternal positioning um, I work with the women leading up to make sure we've got um, as much room as we can for baby because instinctively babies will get in the position they need to get in so there's a lot out there about active birth and baby being in the on the left but um, as the left 
like they're back on the left side before birth, but um, only 50% of women have a pelvis with that shape. So um, let being baby being on the left is not always ideal for everybody. So mm-hmm. we want to create room for the baby, for the baby to move through the pelvis as it needs to. Mm. Um, and what I'm hearing in all that you're sharing is uh, reinstilling a sense of trust and safety within the woman's body. Definitely. And and reminding them of that deep knowing that the women's body has and if it's not there working to create it and you know making lifestyle and nutritional adjustments to bring that back to a woman's sense of knowing a deep sense of knowing yes and Mm. sharing it with the people that are going to be with her as well Mm. so they can see you know like because a lot of the time the mothers will say oh Shelly I felt that but you know and and you think, yeah, that was your instincts telling you that mm. that's what you wanted to do. But, you know, then you're being told by people around you something different. So mm. a lot of women have that when you do a debrief afterwards, they, they go, oh, you know, I felt that or I thought that, but they didn't follow through because our society is created where we trust other people, professionals around us. Mm. So, um, Taking away and, that intuition. Yeah, and I don't want to, um, you know, they are so needed as well. Um, you know, like many people wouldn't be here today without the medical profession, and I'm one of them. Um, my second son was an emergency caesarean at 30 weeks, and so I wouldn't be here without it. So it's not that I don't, I'm, I never want to disrespect the medical, but I want women to understand that it's not a medical procedure, it's mm. a natural procedure our bodies are designed to do. But there are a percentage that, um, so the World Health Organization um, recommends, I think it's 10 to 15% of um to be cesareans to help save women and babies um but anything over that we're actually then they're unnecessary it's just um and and you know in queensland at the moment i think we've got um sorry i think it's um uh 40 percent of women um have had inductions of labor and of that, um, 90% of those go to cesarean. So, mm. um, so our, our um, sorry, I'm trying to remember all my statistics. Um, um, I think 30% like- of birth um, in 2017 um, was a cesarean. Um, and, and that's 50 to 60% above what the World Health Organization is actually recommending. So, mm. you know, I really want women to understand that if they, they understand their bodies, they um, have good nutrition um, and, and help support their bodies um, for the ideal position of baby, that we can reduce that number. Definitely. Um, You're giving them a sense of empowerment and teaching them to trust their body. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And then we're also going to be reducing postnatal depression and things like that. Mm. So. Mm. Um, so how long is the process of preparation before birth when they're working with you? And is there anything after birth that's conducted with you? You've touched on this in what a doula does, but a little, bit, a little yeah. summary would be great. I suppose um, um, a minimum sort of face-to-face is 12 hours of prenatal sessions um, and that's just the education side of it without massage and everything else that may come if the mother chooses that. Um, 
and obviously I'm there for the whole birth um, but with those prenatal sessions we go through um, how the body works we go through the hormonal process the stages of labor um, how our body works with pain um, and then why our comfort measures work so um, uh, if we can get the hormonal process to release in a woman's body um, uh, the endorphins that are released um, are actually 10 times more stronger than any pain relief that she would get at the hospital anyhow mm. so if we can and really um, allow a body a, a woman to feel safe and undisturbed um, and allow her body to um, birth her baby in a physiological way um, she's not going to feel the pain that you see on tv shows and in mm. the media and things like that that's not normal so mm. um, when when i attend free births um, or i attend the births in the village you don't see women in pain they're not crying out mm. um, so the women that are in pain are the ones that are being interfered with. They're being mm -hmm. asked questions. Mm -hmm. So a woman needs to be in her primal brain to birth. Um, and if she's being asked questions and things like that all the time, she's coming back into her thinking brain. So mm. then she's now um, starting to feel the pain. She's getting tense. She's getting annoyed. So a woman absolutely gets annoyed and frustrated. So, um, But it's because she doesn't have time to she doesn't feel she's got time to think and answer questions so a lot of the time you know you hear people talking and joking that women you know you might get punched in labor or she'll swear at you or things like that but it's more about the woman doesn't have time to answer please and thank you she just needs to go no don't mm. you know um, mm. acting from that primal space yeah, as you said definitely so when we're getting her out to be saying you know asking more questions um she absolutely feels the pain a lot more and mm. then she's looking for pain relief once we get pain relief we are looking for um, more interventions so many of the the people in the birth industry call it the cascade of intervention mm. once you start mm. one, makes complete sense yeah yeah Okay, and after birth, you mentioned um, you know coming into the home and working out a, I guess, somewhat of a timetable to allow the woman to at least get in that important sleep and be fed and showered and all of those basic needs. Um, and if we do end post up with cesarean or things like that, I'm supporting in the hospital as well um, mm -hmm. for afterwards if they need me. Um, but otherwise, definitely, once they're home, I'm mm. there to support them. Mm. So um, that can also include like sleeping there the night with the mum and getting up and helping her during the night to feed or you know, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's not just, um, you know, we turn up just for a, a little visit and leave again. So mm. we can be there for as long as the mother wants. Needs, yeah. And you emphasised before... Um, in relation to postnatal depression, just the, the need for the right preparation leading into birth nutritionally as much as, you know, perhaps from a safety and trust perspective so that the right hormones are flowing and the body is um, adapting correctly to the change, would you say? Is there Absolutely. anything more to add to that in relation to sort of the post-birth phase and that mental wellness? Yeah, I, I really believe that... Um there's a, um, a doctor I met down um, and did one of his, attended one of his workshops, Dr. Oscar, but he's written a book called Postnatal Depletion. It's not postnatal depression. 
Yeah, right. And it's something that really resonated with me and is what I see that when um, we've got depletion of nutrition, we've got depletion of sleep and depletion of support, they're the keys where we end up with postnatal depression. But if we really look at nature, um, nature hasn't designed us to be pre depressed and sad and not want to look after our babies. You mm. know, we're designed to instinctively love our babies and protect them with our life. Mm. So, and also have that time for connection definitely. as opposed to being needed in, you know, six other areas and yes. that creating stress, which would then... Um, organically create a depletion because you're churning through nutrients because you're firing on all cylinders exactly. rather than surrendering to this new chapter yeah and women want to you know they think they're meant to be up doing this and doing that but you know many cultures around the world the women are actually being nurtured and supported afterwards until she gains that strength you know even down to um i know the um our indigenous in australia and the png women they are given just root vegetables after birth and things mm. like that because they talk about the woman needs to um, have things that can be easily absorbed. But also that's really grounding, those very foods. Grounding. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, very mm. little um, meat and things like that at the beginning. Mm. Okay. Um, so how do you support women through choosing where is the safest place for them to birth their baby? Cause I'm sure this is quite complex. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it all comes down to, um, understanding and hearing, um, a, the woman's, um, religious beliefs, her, um, cultural upbringing, her own personal experiences. Um, you know, if she has had, negative experiences in a hospital before or she has been sexually abused um, depending what atmosphere that was so a lot of when you start reading books and things like that about birth and creating your birth space they talk about your ambience and you know turning down the lights having dim lighting and doing all these things but if you've had somebody that's been sexually hurt and it was at night time dim lighting is not a safe place for them mm. so she may need brighter lights or um you know, so a, a lot of my women that I'm supporting that have been hurt or had um, a negative experience in a hospital, it's about how do we create that space um, to that's, make it not so hospital. Yeah, or, or that's right for them as an individual. Yeah. And yeah. not triggering. And we don't want trigger memories, exactly. Mm. Because you're going into your primal state, smell, um, sound, all of that is so much more heightened. Mm. So little tiny things can actually trigger trigger memories of the past mm. so we want to be able so sharing that information with me also helps me to provide that safe place for you mm. um so so then it comes down to um where does a woman feel safe so if she has had induction so a lot of women when i'm doing debriefing and it's becoming a lot more you'll start seeing it more and more on the social media and um, I've noticed it I think in the recent newspapers and that they're talking about birth trauma and birth rape and it is absolutely I've seen it um, where women are being touched um, they're you know without consent or 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 they do ask you know I need you know I'm gonna touch you here or something and they start and the woman says no um, and they go, I'm sorry, just breathe, I need to do this. It's like, no, you don't need to do this. You need to give her time. Um, and you, if she doesn't want you to touch her, you can't touch her. 
So a woman needs to know that she has autonomy over her body and baby at all times mm. and she has the right to say no. She has the right to have time to get her head around things. Um, so so um, obviously, as we talked before, that a woman won't go through the hormonal process um, if she's not feeling safe. So um, obviously in our prehistoric time, um, when we were birthing, if there was a danger, our adrenaline would kick in for us to be able to run away until we could find somewhere safe to birth. Um, and that still is in us today. So if a woman, um, often a woman's story for a previous birth will be, you know, when I got to the hospital, everything slowed down. Or, and it's like, yeah, because your adrenaline, the change of where you've been, where you were feeling safe, you've just changed that. But you've also been taken out of that primal brain. Primal brain. You've been because thinking. you're being moved and probably asked questions. and Exactly. Mm. So... So if a woman feels safe to birth in a hospital, then we talk about how we transition to a hospital better to make that easier. What do we set up in the room to make it feel safe for her? Mm. Um, um, and more women um, are feeling safer in a home, but they don't realise they, they can home birth. It is legal. So mm. um, in far north Queensland, we've got two beautiful home birth midwives. Um, and, and of course, then you've got women that are choosing to free birth as well. So, mm. um, where they feel empowered to trust their bodies and babies. I love this topic because of our just the innate knowledge that our bodies have. We have, yes. That I I want more women to be reminded of. Their bodies already know it. Yeah. And there's definitely situations where we may need a hospital or need some emergency help and but people also need to realise that um, that babies do die in hospitals as well. It's not just every now and then you'll hear a home birth where a baby may have passed. Mm. There's a lot of babies that do pass in a hospital, but we don't hear about that Mm. because, you know, it's all sort of not covered up, but it's all, they did everything they could, Mm. you know, but, um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time, if there was more research into a home birth and why that baby may have passed, a lot of the time there may have been some complication with the baby or the heart or different things and the baby was going to pass whether it was in at home or the hospital anyhow mm-hmm. so um so a lot of our statistics and that that we read if we dig deeper into that and the research a lot of the time it, it doesn't add those things for us to make more mm. more decisions around mm. and and all that you're presenting today is not as you've already said is not about one being better than the other i see no. it as um, simply reinstilling that intuition yes. and starting from that place, and if outside help is needed, then tap into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So we want we want the woman to feel safe. If a woman um, feels that she, you know, like if if she did choose to birth at home, but she was going to feel safer in a hospital, she'll be tense, she'll be nervous, and yeah. she's not going to flow and allow her body to open. Yeah, so and she th- needs to be where she feels safe. Yeah, and that's all part of your birth preparation, isn't it? That's right. Choosing what's right for that individual woman and you honouring that as a doula. Exactly. Mm. And and more and more women um, feel that they do feel safer at home and things like that, but they didn't know they had the choice of that. Mm -hmm. So I want women to know they do have choice of where they birth. It's it's legal to be able to birth at home or by a creek or in your garden or wherever Mm. you want to birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah magic yeah um 
So just on the sexual trauma piece, we met at a Jade Egg workshop a couple of years ago. Um, and I guess I'm curious, do you ever weave the Jade Egg um, modality or just the Jade Egg itself into a woman's awareness to help release any type of trauma um, within their own journey? Um, just we, out of interest? Yeah, not so much with um, the trauma, but I think that would be something that would be really beautiful. Mm. Um, but definitely with preparing their pelvic floor. Um, mm-hmm. And so many women have this, you know, we've got to do the pelvic floor exercises, but I find that you can also go too far and be too tight down mm. there for mm-hmm. birth. So, mm-hmm. um, so the, the jade egg is something that's at least offered? Yes. To the in discussion anyway, because that would indirectly be supporting any type of trauma because of the um, touch that happens with the with the egg rubbing on the different different areas. areas, And even preparing, I suppose, when you're preparing your body ready to use the jade egg as well, isn't it? Like us acknowledging are we okay with this? Yeah. So that would be definitely building a relationship with your with your own body yeah mm. and then also using it after mm-hmm. obviously yeah bleeding and everything stops. so incredible yeah it's really beautiful for that process as well to yeah get a mum to to feel you know she's she's strong again down there and not mm-hmm. like when we're jumping on a trampoline or yeah anymore <laughs> yeah yeah and so, it's just an offering isn't it yes it's up to the woman and that's what everything even um so all the things that i've got is is just sharing Mm -hmm. um and even in birth i never um ask a mother to do anything you know like you know i see in a hospital they'll go you know i need you get up on the bed now i need you to do this it's like you know you need to suggest to a mum how do you feel do you feel like you may need to move so i'm observing a mother during labor the whole time um, and if I see she hasn't moved for, you know, a while and we don't have progress, then I would suggest she may go to the toilet, which is a common one because um, you want to empty the bladder anyhow because the bladder mm-hmm. fills that space. Mm-hmm. So it helps when we empty it, it gives more space for baby. But she instinctively will come back and may get in a different position without me telling her what to do mm-hmm. and allowing her body to let her know what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. So the only time... so. What is normal for labor is progress. So, mm. but that can vary for everybody. You could be in labor for, you know, hours. You could be in labor for a day or more. Um, so, but what we want to see is that there is progress. If we don't have progress, that's where we would make suggestions on whether the mother feels comfortable to change a position or do something different. Mm. But at all times, it should be offered as a suggestion, never told what to do. Mm. Yeah. So I think lastly, um, you know, mental wellness is really important. And I guess um, from our discussion today, what I could reiterate is um, for any type of postnatal depression, being aware of any nutritional depletion as much as the need for greater support around the mother. Are there any other aspects that you would, I guess... um, like to raise just to round that mental wellness piece off um so with um just to support postnatal depression i guess what i've heard today through it during the pregnancy so she's prepared for after no more so after birth um as a reminder to the listeners um some key areas to look at are nutritional depletion definitely 
and also support so and sleep sleep right which comes as a part of support doesn't it so that you've got that support around you to enable you to sleep yes yeah because we can't rejuvenate our our bodies has just worked for nine months work so hard like they compare it to a woman going through pregnancy is like her climbing mount everest is what we're told Mm. so um so one yes her body needs to do the repairing but she's also got to build as well to be able to nurture this baby so definitely and and of course as as you would well know Janelle that our bodies can't heal unless we're sleeping and Mm. getting that rest so So um, that can't be overlooked yeah absolutely I think sleep is the key so if if Mm. I've got a mum that's really stressed and upset um, there's a lot going on for her we do a 24-hour cure where she and baby stay in bed for 24 hours Mm. so she sleeps when baby sleeps she's brought food nutrition the whole time and usually within that 24 hours we've got a much happier mum at the end of that and Mm. that's the simplicity of it yeah Mm. yeah yeah so um because of course you can imagine like a sleep we get agitated quicker we've got shorter fuses so you know that all builds so when you've got a crying baby then that may not be settling it's very difficult for the mum to because and then of course patience. the baby feels your stress mm. and feels all of that so it's this this big the ripple effect cycle. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um so sleep nutrition and support are the three keys absolutely mm. beautiful excellent well thank you for coming on the podcast today um You've got a Facebook page and also a website, which I'm going to be putting in the show notes. Do you want to just mention what they are for the listeners? Um, my website's um, all the w's.shellylangford.com.au. Um, and my Facebook page is Birthing Dollar Shelley. So Beautiful. My, fa- my website's just been built, so hopefully it'll be up and running soon. But yeah. Yep. Thank you so much, Shelley. You're welcome. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for tuning in to the Wellness Alchemy podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave a review on iTunes and definitely subscribe to the podcast and do check out my new three-month skin alchemy program by heading to seedsofhealth.com.au. Bye for now.